Welcome back to another edition of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets show. I am hosting today, Tom Jacobs, and I'm joined by Ryan Barrow. Ryan, hello. Tom, happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you. And Brian DeCorsi. Brian, good to see you. How you doing, Tom? How you doing, RB? Good, man. It's good, to, it's good to have the three of us together for a bumper edition of the Scottish Open. Obviously, sad that Sky is not here, but we're having him, let him have some vacation time, enjoy himself uh, whilst we sweat the Scottish Open. I don't know what, I don't know how we view this, like, because, like, trying to get a DP World Tour winner over the line is tough. But this is a PJ Tour event as well. Does that mean that we get more luck or does that mean it's doubly difficult? Uh, it, it means you just ignore the Euro guys, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, they can't get over the line on their own. They certainly are not going to do it here. Well, I'll probably have to argue with you later on the show about that, which <laughs> is going to be interesting. But um, yeah, I, I think it's probably right. Like, I think ultimately one thing I would say, and and I maybe I'm guilty of it later on in the show, but I think people will get suckered into some players that genuinely can't win because they're seeing inflated prices on DP World Tour players that they wouldn't see in in other weeks, right? So like we've, we've just got over betting Richie Ramsey at 30 or 40 to one or whatever, and he's now 300 to one or 200 to one. The temptation is to go with him. Um, just be cautious because, you know, he's put it into the water on the 18th hole twice, and now he's going to try and do it in a PGA Tour field. So these things do happen. But look, ultimately, it's, it's the Scottish Open. It's Lynx Golf. There's going to be some, you know, interesting factors that comes with Lynx Golf. There's going to be some weather, I think, coming on Sunday. Brian, I'll come to you first. Any particular thoughts on the course and what you're kind of looking at as a, for a player this week, or is it generally just links form? Um, I would lean more towards just links, um, Scotland, England in general, um, just history, just to see if there's been any signs of comfort. Um, I mean, we all know what happened with Morikawa when he came over here, and he said I, I that was weird. The turf was weird. He, he figured it out, though, in like four days, won the Open. So... I don't know if you necessarily expect that, but I guess it's um, maybe look for guys who have at least played here once. I think you'd be rolling the dice on the Americans a little more who have just not played, maybe not particularly even here, just opens in general, right? Um, so I, I'm more about the experience, not even necessarily the, the, the high-end results, even though some of the guys we will talk about have had good results at this particular course in general. Um, that wasn't the overriding factor. It, it is a Lynx course. It's not a, I don't think it's a pure Lynx. Obviously it's a little, it's not Parkland either. So, you know, it's this little hybrid. It's still got the, the fairways. It'll have the bounce, um, things like that. And like you said, the wind is coming on Sunday as of now. Uh, I was checking earlier, you know, Thursday, Friday might look, I'll call it an average day up there, but, uh, yeah, it could, uh, it could get really interesting on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably best described as a as a modern Lynx is probably the best way to put it. Like yeah. Tom Boker's designed it, and it is a it still has the Lynx factors, and it's all been kept in mind. But but Ryan, there are there kind of little parts to it that suggest that you know you don't need to be a true Lynx player to really succeed here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I was looking back a little bit, uh, kind of the last two iterations. You know, we had weather last year, which I think really skewed the event. Um, obviously, the winning score I think it was like minus seven or minus eight. Uh, We've seen the Euro guys beat up on this course and get around 20 under par. So uh, I do think distance makes a lot of sense here. Um, obviously, like Ryan mentioned, Link's comfort makes a lot of sense. But I also don't think this is a, uh, I don't think it's a get right spot, right? I'm definitely going to keep riding guys who are in form. Um, I know when, when Aaron Rye won here, um, he had, I think it was a 15th in the UK. He had then finished runner up the Irish Open. Um, and then uh, Minwoo had a little bit of form, but obviously we know how he goes. He is one of those guys who can kind of spike out of nowhere. Uh, and then obviously Xander won last year, was his third win in a row. So um, I'm definitely going to be looking at guys who are in form. Yeah, so that overriding point, like Bernd Wiesberger and Aaron Rye both won the Scottish Open the week after finishing second at the Irish Open. Minwoo Lee was 17th at the Irish Open, which is pretty solid for someone, like you say, that does have some volatile results. And Xander had just won the Travelers' Championship two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think it is a current form spot. Um, to your point, like the weather can skew things. Each of the four winners here have been 27th or worse after round one. So I do think there's a good opportunity for some in-play betting if people do enjoy that. Um, looking at guys maybe that have got on the wrong end of the, of the weather draw in round one or just, you know, maybe didn't sink enough putts can kind of get right very quickly because of the, the kind of scoring variance there. Um, 
Brian, did you did you have any any thoughts on the fact that we haven't played the Irish Open the week before this time around? No, um, outside of maybe just general disappointment and not watching it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the the links the links swing, if you will, is just going to happen a little later this year. Um, I don't know if that'll change anything, right? Um, I'm trying to remember because I didn't prep like look, but like. They haven't even always played a pure Lynx in Ireland no. recently, if I recall. No, no so, it's, it's a mix of courses there. Yeah, uh, I mean, so some, maybe some years, sure. But no, that, that really didn't factor in, to be quite honest. In fact, I think, judging by um, social media, it seems like a, quite a few guys got over there earlier than usual. And I think maybe that, obviously, it's due to the schedule of Rocket Mortgage and John Deere. I mean, guys just said, forget it. Yeah. And then two, I mean... There's plenty of research to show that um, guys who have come over have historically played slightly better than expected compared to those who stayed in the States. So, you know, maybe not having the Irish, I don't know if it affected it. Guys just came over and played other courses instead, right? So, Yeah, the, the only player that I kind of thought in my head was like a Lucas Herbert that's kind of parlayed Irish Open results to, right. to a Scottish Open performance. That was the only one we like Ryan, I don't know if like, you had any other thoughts on it. I know it's kind of a curveball that I didn't kind of prepare us for, but like in, it was just one of those things in my head that I was like, this is the first time I can remember where it wasn't Irish Open, Scottish Open, and it's in its Denmark rub. Like if they had come from kind of like the Belfry at the British Masters over to here, like a short, it's still a short journey, like anything in Europe is, but like I just wonder if there was just a slight difference in maybe the fact they played Denmark before um, the Scottish. I think so. Again, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed both players across the pond coming to the States and then back and forth, most of these guys are just good. They're just maintaining yeah. that form wherever they go. Um, Lucas Herbert is an interesting one. Obviously, his field is a lot better than the two years where he finished fourth, but uh, I think there's something to that. And uh, he played really well for Travelers. We know he can putt as well as anybody, which is obviously very important here. Uh, he hits the ball as far as almost anybody, and his iron play was really good there. So. Um, I would potentially have a little interest uh, at the 80 to one with some places, but probably more of a top 20 and probably a DraftKings play for me this week. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think like it's certainly not a case of like ruling him out. It's more just like who was the one player that really stood out to me as like who could you make a point about this on, and, and he would be the one, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, like interestingly, you point out the travelers there. Like for some reason, I, I kind of pointing out a correlation between Scottish Open Travelers results, which I think is just a schedule thing rather than anything to do with courses or anything like that. It's just a time of year and people playing well at a certain point of year. But like you had Alex Smalley cross over in both events. You've had Xander cross over in both events and, and Kitty Armour's had a good result in both. So like it like there is certainly something to that and probably just the time of year. And I think to your point, like the players coming over from America have been just as successful coming off of a Travellers or, or something else rather than an Irish Open. So I think maybe just a negative in the sense of some players that generally played a DB World Tour and maybe would rely on that first links effort um, more so than than the top guys at the top of the board. But let's let's segue that into the top of the board then. Um, and at the very top is no surprise that we've got Scotty Scheffler at seven to one or you know plus seven fifty in some places. Roy McIlroy eight fifty. Patrick Cantlay, 14 to 1, Zana Shoffley, 14 to 1, Ricky Fowler, 18 to 1, Victor Hovland, 20 to 1. Uh, Brian, we haven't picked up anyone here as a group, but would anyone interest you at the top of this board? And, and who was the kind of closest for you there was? I'm going to be honest. If anybody, it would be Scheffler at plus 750. Um, yeah. I actually made him a slightly heavier favorite. Now, that was that's just pure numbers, right? When I when I then think about it, I don't know tee times. I don't know for sure weather. Like that that's what scared me off of even really entertaining it. Um, the unknowns here are just a lot larger than most weeks prior. Um, I mean, again, you can look at forecasts, but honestly, a week ago it looked like every day was going to be a hurricane yeah. over there. So it's already changed. Um, I, I don't know if I I didn't really want to just jump in at, at the plus 750. It, it was an edge, but it wasn't anything where I I thought the books necessarily screwed up massively. Um, and again, it wouldn't, right? I mean, you look at his results. So nothing would shock me no matter what weight he's in if he if he just finished in fourth place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I get that. And look, to, to your point about the weather, like I was standing there on Saturday at a golf tournament thinking that 
it was going to rain all day and it was brilliant sunshine for the afternoon and then the next day it wasn't meant to be any rain and there was a rain for an hour like it like it does just change on the spot so absolutely ryan same question to you like i saw you nodding your head there with scheffler was there anyone else that you really considered it would be ricky fowler for me uh, yeah again form um obviously you know he's played well over here played the scottish open a handful of times probably uh, just playing so incredibly well and uh, even when he wasn't quite at this level last summer he was in the mix going to the final round last year i think he shot plus five the last round but he was one of the few players under par after saturday last year so um obviously like said he's uh of course one of those guys who's been over here already for a week up at wimbledon with uh spieth and jt um 18 to 1 was a little bit short he's probably down to 16 now uh so i didn't get there but um just absolutely love the form right now yeah, enough of the guys that we're probably not betting. Let's talk about. <laughs> let's go straight into the ones that we are. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you, and then and I'll follow on. So we're on the same guy. Tommy Fleetwood's here at twenty-two to one. Past just the fact that Tommy Fleetwood deserves a win, and he's got to the point where he, you know, definitely should win. He's, I think, he's over two expected wins now on the PGA Tour. What is it that you love about Tommy Fleetwood at the Scottish Open? Tommy Fleetwood at the Scottish Open. What's not to like? Like Brian said at the start, you know, guys who are comfortable on links, you know, the three that come to mind anytime you come here automatically would be Fleetwood, Lowry, and uh, Hatton. You can probably throw Fitz in there as well. But I mean, those three always get a massive bump. Uh, Lowry has not done well here, so he wasn't on my list. I really was torn between Hatton and uh, Fleetwood. I'll just take the guy who's been a little bit closer in recent weeks to winning, obviously, and a little bit closer at this golf course. Um, obviously, he has a fourth and a second here. Uh, he, was that the year that he lost to Aaron Rye? Yeah, that yeah. was. So I, I just feel like he's a guy who's going to win a Scottish Open, potentially an Open Championship. Um, I'm not worried about the miscut at all at, at, at Travelers. No, so look, I mean, he's had, what, four top five finishes in his last nine starts, fifth at the US Open, second at the Canadian Open. Um, he should have won there, like I, I think is, is probably fair to say. But my slight hesitancy on my part was how bad he was with the Irons at, the travelers but then he was terrible at colonial with his irons and then finished second at canadian open so i think he'd just get right and and elsewhere you've got to give him that links bump so just that form and the fact that he's got those great finishes i love the fact as well that he's kind of gone from and you know that people would look at the fact he's lost in the playoffs with aaron ryan so like you should be winning that but he shot a final around 67 as well um and, and still lost so it's not like he just choked and you know aaron ryan is a, is a very, very good golfer that will come on to like it you know it's not something to be kind of sniffed at and then he had a really slow start last year. I remember 73 and it went 69, 67, 67. So he had too much to do going into the final rounds. But I just like the way he's grinding out the results as well as uh, put himself into position. So love Tommy Fleetwood. And I was just just getting one other point there, kind of looking back at when he came in here last summer, he finished fourth. Um, he was coming off a T46 at the Travelers and a missed cut at the US Open, right? Yeah. And then previous to that, he had gone fifth at the PGA, 35th at the Schwab, 10th at the Porsche European Open. So it's kind of one of those things where you just have to overlook the one or two bad weeks and look at the long-term form here. Yeah, I completely agree. Brian, the, the one other guy that I think people will go to a similar spot here, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, another Englishman. He's now 22 to one, or is that, there's actually a 25 to one on, on here, uh, biggest number I've seen. He's been going off at kind of like 14 to one, 18 to one, and it feels like a good opportunity in Scotland for him to, to go well here. Yeah. I, I so I made him and Fleetwood almost identical um, in my number, and if you look you, like you brought up Fleetwood's form, I mean, Hatton's isn't that far off. I mean, we no. haven't seen him since the U.S. Open, but I mean, before that, T three, T five, T three. I skipped a few T fifteens, but like, it, and the reason I, I sided with him, I think, and I made him slightly ahead of Tommy was mainly. Again, I don't know for a fact what's going to happen with this weather, but I do know that if it starts getting blustery, that I would, I think I would prefer Hatton's short game slightly to Fleetwood's, especially when it, it comes to putting. Like, And that way, even if the wind doesn't blow and it turns into a birdie fest, I mean, we've seen Fleetwood go plenty low. Don't get me wrong. He has these massive rounds. Um, but I'd still normally tend to lean towards guys who – um, can putt better in in those circumstances. I, they just seem to capitalize on their opportunities more often. So, and I also trust Hatton to play in crap weather. We've seen it all over when he comes to Europe. Um, what he's done um, at the the St Andrews Lynx tournament they ho they host with the rotation. Um, the name is escaping me. Um, but yeah, 
So like the Dunhill, um, we yep. know what he's done there. And then we've seen him in some crap weather. Um, where was that Saudi Arabia the one year? It was just terrible. Um, so yeah, I think there's just a trust factor all around. And I think his, his slight, slightly better short game, I'll say. I mean, his ball striking is just as, just as good. So that's where I went with Hatton at 22. Yeah, and I think as well with, with Hassan, something that I've kind of gone to a lot on the podcast recently is like he's third in strokes gained total on the PGA Tour. He's gaining over two strokes on average, you know, per like it's a brilliant season for him. And I think there's been a real development in his game where before you kind of saw him, he was always a bit of a birdie first player in, in, in Europe, but he kind of relished the tougher test in the PGA and couldn't quite keep up with the low scoring over there. And this season, he seems to be able to do a bit of both. And that's really you know beneficial when you say you could you could have changing weather here. So certainly something to uh, another positive to add to Hassan there. Ryan, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I don't know what Jordan Spieth is at the moment. Nobody does. Yeah, and I guess I'm going to leave it to you as to, to convince people why he can win this golf tournament. So, a couple of things. I'll say, I think the I think the narrative on Spieth has flipped in the wrong direction, right? This guy is, I think he's still ranked 10th in the world. Um, he's contended many times this year. He probably should have run, he should have won the Heritage, if not for Fitz. Uh, he was fourth at the Masters, fourth at API, third at Valspar. Like, he's been around, and he was just fifth at, at, at the Memorial as well, where he was pretty much near the top of the board in terms of strokes gained tee to green. Um, obviously, still struggling with the putter a little bit, but again, we've seen how well he's played Lynx golf. Obviously, won an open. Um, I think the slower greens will help him. I think tougher conditions will help him. And again, he was right in the mix. I think he was close to the lead going into Sunday uh, here last year, had a poor Sunday, of course, but uh, I just think, I think the narrative has, has, has flipped on him that he's somehow been bad or been disappointing. Uh, the irons have been great this year. We know that, you know, the putter is kind of the bugaboo, but uh, I expect him to play very well this week. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those ones where I agree. I, I think there's an, there's an overreaction. Like I think earlier on in the season, it was one of those ones where, you know, like he's playing really well coming into the PJ Championship. Let, let's get that major for him, complete the Grand Slam. And then all of a sudden, because he didn't do that, everyone's kind of gone off. And he's finished fifth at the Memorial since then. And I, I guess the Colonial would be the concern that he, he missed the cut mm-hmm. there. But I, I think, you know, ultimately, this is a guy that is at his best when it's creative. And, and like you say, Lynx Golf, is, the pedigree's there. So I think ultimately, again, like just as I said about the other two guys, I'm not not doing anything to really put people off here. Like the, the, the three guys we picked, I think, have all got solid cases. Yeah, I, the I think was high enough. It's, it's probably not. It's just and, inconsistent, and, right? Like when he doesn't have it, he's been bad. Like yeah. that, and when he, it, it's been, he, he probably doesn't have many, what, top 30 finishes? It looks like they're all top 15 or he missed a cut. So. Yep. Hey, we'll take it for an outright, but back to Schwab for a second, Tom, like that was a very disappointing miscut, but uh, in those two rounds, I think he lost four strokes in the short game. Yeah. Uh, and most of that was around the green. So obviously that's not a huge concern for speed. Yeah. Like three of the last four events he's gained off, you know, on approach and same off the tee as well. And playing really well off the tee, which is, which is amazing. I think like Brian said, like the main factor would be um, price, but I think that's the ultimately the case with a lot of these golfers, like they will just, don't want to click a number and yeah. you know, the books are just going to protect against Sean Spieth, especially when it's in, you know, open conditions. So um, yeah, completely understand there. Brian, I'll let you start off with Mimu Lee and then, and then we'll get Ryan to add into there as why we like him at kind of like the 45 to one number. Yeah. So I didn't love the number, um, but I had made up my mind kind of leading into this, that I really wanted to take a shot with him. And I thought 45 was okay. I made it slightly more. So it, it's not the end of the world. I, I think I got okay on some places at least um, that might even out long term. But he's just he, he talks the same way you just talked about speed. Like he and he's very been very vocal in recent interviews. Like I love shot shaping. I love have like when he was at LACC. Um, you know things like that. And obviously he's got it done here before. We saw his form coming into the year. He's one of the hottest golfers in the world and then he jumped to the pga tour and i say it all the time it doesn't matter how good a golfer is there is almost always a transition period you know sometimes they might start out with one or two great results but there always seems to be a lull when you're it doesn't matter how good you are at golf this is a whole living in america is very different uh all the like like you just talked about earlier the traveling european to european is not even close to new york to california so yeah 
there's just a ton different going on, housing, hotels, blah, blah, blah. So maybe, you know, he's been getting more comfortable. We've seen the recent results, uh, 15th when he came over to Europe. He's been in England for Lord knows how long now, watching cricket and everything else that I've seen. Um, you know, fifth at the U.S. Open, T10 at Travelers. So perhaps everything's rounding back to where, I mean, the guy couldn't finish worse than third place for like eight straight tournaments to end the year last year. So the talent is obviously there. The comfortability with this type of golf is there. Um, yeah, I, I think that that all compiled to allow me to be like, okay, I obviously can't compensate for that in my modeling. So I'm okay dipping a little bit uh, to this 45 to one number. Yeah, absolutely. Ryan, anything to kind of add on Mimuli there? Yeah, just that his, his game seems to be a little bit more well-rounded now. Um, I think the two skill sets that I'm mostly looking at here are going to be strokes gain off the tee and strokes gain putting, and those are his two strengths for sure. Um, and then just on, on the element of, of these guys traveling, like he just finished fifth at the U.S. Open in Los Angeles. He went to Travelers, it was ninth, then went to the British Masters and pretty much had his F game and finished, I think, in top 15. Uh, now we got a week off coming to a course where he's won. So um, I'm definitely more excited about the places than the win, but we'll take the 45. Yeah, look, this, I mean, the the thing you get with Mimuli, and I think this is slowly creeping out of his game, is, is the volatility that people talk about. And that's why he used to, used to get kind of maybe a bigger number than he deserved in places because he was the type of person that could go like second, then miss cut. But I think that's kind of going away, as you, as you said, he's more well-rounded. Uh, as Brian said, you know, you do get comfortable on, and there's a transition on, on the PJ Tour especially. And just 5th, ninth, and 15th is like a really strong run. And, you know, at the end of the last season, it was, you know, 4th, 3rd, and 2nd. So it is it is a case of he's putting these results together in bunches. He's gained putting in, you know, his last five starts, gained off the team in his last six starts. So he is really just, a, a, you know, a strong player that people would be mad to not consider, I think. But... We'll take this little opportunity to mention our audio listeners. So you've got a DP World Tour Picks and Bets The Mix show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else that you get your podcasts. Obviously, we'd love people tuning into YouTube and you know seeing all our wonderful faces on the screen here. But we also value those that listen on the on the audio side of things as well. So rate, review and subscribe on those side of things and, and really do your bits to support the show because we love doing these. We love bringing them to you and appreciate all the support and feedback that we get. Coming on to the next round of picks then, Brian, uh, Wyndham Clark, who I must admit really intrigued me. The, the number's 50 to 1 on him. This is 50 to 1 on a US Open winner. Do you think that the, the numbers are there? Because he's, I say this a lot and maybe it's just really cliche, but people just don't think certain players can win twice in a year. And people there'll be certain people that think he was lucky to win the US Open. So they just give up on him being, being able to win twice in the season. Yeah, and they might all be right for different reasons um their logic is probably a little flawed uh, i mean he won twice in four events um he won the wells fargo another huge event um you know last we saw him was at the travelers he finished t29 it's the first time he had lost strokes on approach since uh february so the iron game has been strong off the tee been quite strong he's only had real one you know bad week and that was at the pga championship um and he still hit his irons very well he just put himself in some rough spots with the driver and couldn't recover, um, which we saw plenty of happen at that week. So yeah, 50 to one seems absurd to me, to be honest. Uh, I thought the 81, I, I bet him at the U S open 80 to one was a, a terrible number for how he was playing. And I, I think you, I think the biggest thing is you hit a nail on the head. He's won so recently people are so averse to these guys being able to win again. Um, I mean, it's like, Oh, well, no one's tiger woods. He's the only one that could possibly like, we see it. We see it from time to time. These guys just win in bunches. We saw it with Sheckler. We saw it with Xander last year. We've seen Rory do it. We've seen DJ do it. That doesn't mean he's those guys, but he's more than capable. I mean, the way he's been playing, why not? So I, I think I think 51 is absurd, to be quite honest with you. And he's seen this course. I think he was T20, like 18th maybe, something. Yeah, 16th um, he was last season. Okay, he, got, yeah. he got better every round, which I, which I was really encouraged by. And And I think this is a guy that, Look, he's not going to have a wealth of open championship experience. I think he's played there once and made the cut last year. But, you know, even since winning the US Open, tied 29th at the Travelers, whilst losing on you know, marginally on approach and gaining all three other areas, it's, I guess it's going to come down to him having a really strong week off the tee, which is something that he's basically built his career on, off the tee and putting. And those are the two things that Ryan said earlier that he was really looking for in a player, and Clark fits that billing. Yeah, I honestly just find it wild that some of these golfers that are 
price lower than him. And a lot of it's historical. And again, his name is Wyndham Clark. So maybe yeah. people will look back at this in a year or two after he has a couple more wins and be like, oh, <laughs> like, uh, but maybe not. But I, I, I just think at the moment with how he is playing and for all the people who are scared of guys who can't win, don't win, well, he has. So I, I don't understand. I did not understand this number whatsoever. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to kind of go slightly back on the odds board because I've skipped my one here, uh, maybe subconsciously because I, you know, I've done it so often now. Justin Rose at 45 to one, like like you say about Wyndham Clark, and I know there's probably a little bit more to it than that, but I I just find 45 to one a bit big on him. It's just look, Dade Segal has him as um, you know 21st in the world. I think he's maybe slightly better than that, and I think that this is a you know formerly elite player who did really struggle a little bit like Ricky Fowler, who's maybe not quite back to what Ricky Fowler was, but he's just, he's been there and thereabouts for ages now. Um, he had a really poor iron week at the U S open. He, he kind of bounced back in the second round, didn't make the cut there, but he was the 36 hole leader recently in the, the British masters. He finished fourth. People will argue as a betting favorite, you should be conversing a 36 hole lead, but we know how difficult it is to win a golf tournament. And I actually think, the Belfry is one of those places where it's really hard to front run. Like it's, it's a cause you can get in a lot of trouble. And I don't necessarily think there's such a bad thing that, that he went away and he was seventh there in straight scan approach. That was the fourth time in the last five events. He's been 13th or better in approach. He led the field in colonial with his irons and wedges. So that plus the fact you look at his last three open championships in, in Scotland, he was second in Carnoustie, 22nd at Troon and sixth at St. Andrews. You look at the fact he's won the 2014 Scottish Open. He was second in his title, second in the halfway mark at his title defence, and then fell away. And then even here last year, when he wasn't playing his best golf, he was 14th after round one and 20th after round two. So I think I'm just, I'm just really happy to give him a chance. And you know, I've been saying that all season. He hasn't done it, um, other than the Pebble Win, where I definitely wasn't on. But to me, I just thought 45 to one on on a player like that was was kind of stand out. I see Ryan, you're kind of nodding your head. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that, but um, you know, he, I think he's. He's a good value, I think. He's he's playing better than I probably give him credit for. Um, I think you he's, know he, he, the uh, the British Masters was obviously skewed by the first round, and then he kind of stumbled after that. So I think you know I looked at him. I also looked at uh, Wyndham Clark, but I think if Rose had shown me more than one round, I, I potentially would have gotten there this week. Yeah, I'm just looking at like the the longer body of work, you know, yeah. as you said there, and it was just really a one bad iron week at the US Open that's really caught him out. But Brian, any thoughts on on Justin Rose? Yeah, he. I watched a lot of that British Masters for some. I just didn't have a lot going on at that <laughs> time, and uh, it it he did seem to struggle later in the week, but like you still look, you, it was T4. Like he, he pieced it together. Like it was ugly. I remember watching me like, Oh my God, he, he can't hit a wedge right now. And then he'd find it. And then, it, you know, so maybe, maybe it was his try. I mean, he, he doesn't really normally do that. Go back and play that. So I honestly have him within the top 15 at this current point in time in this field. The problem is I personally put a lot more win equity, obviously, than the market and no yeah. juice on these guys up top. So, like, I had uh, what I do with Rose, uh, 58 to 1. So it's not wildly off. I mean, those are those are small percentages when we're talking outrights, um, fractions of percents, which you can shift however you want. So yeah. I don't hate it. I just uh, I'd already made my mind up kind of with with Minwoo and Clark right there. And like I said, that kind of sucked the the win equity out from pretty much anyone else in that particular range for me yeah look i think that you're just in this range you're going to have your guys like i think at the top you you do have to have a really solid foundation on the 22 to ones when it gets to like 45 50 to one if you've got a player that you like that you can make a case for you're going to in an event like this and i was just encouraged by the fact like you said it was ugly but he he gained strokes off the tee for the first time significantly in a while um and and the fact that the thing that he's struggling with compared to the, the modern goal for his distance, he's actually probably going to get away with that a little bit this week. So um, I know you do want distance, but I think he can. He's the type of person that's his ball speed and, and club head speed is pretty fast now. He's it's improving. So I think that with the extra run, he could be okay. So I like Justin Rose. You know, people don't need to need me to sell them on the fact that I do like Justin Rose. But yeah, I'm going to go with him again. Consensus pick for us now, um, which is one that I absolutely love and. I've been trying to find a way to play this guy all season. I haven't got there, but Aaron Rye is 90 to one for the Scottish Open. Ryan, I'll come to you first as to why we should be besting Aaron Rye. 
Yeah, um, I think, again, another player who's just elevated his all-around game recently. Uh, what we know from, you know, watching him play in Europe is this guy hits a ton of fairways, really good wedge player, short game player, just could not putt. Uh, seems to have fixed it a little bit. I mean, putting is still the bugaboo for Aaron Rye. Let's not, <laughs> let's not forget that. But just coming in in, in, in excellent form, uh, back to a course where he's won. So uh, he was 12th at the Schwab. Third in Canada, uh, probably should have been in, in that playoff, honestly. 24th at the Travelers, ninth at the Rocket Mortgage, and just seems to be doing everything well. Um, obviously, missed the cut here last year. was probably his worst performance, uh, iron-wise, of the season. I'm willing to overlook that. We've seen him play well at the Irish Open, obviously. Played well at the Scottish Open. Um, I just think this is an excellent spot for Aaron Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. Look, to your point about him being sort of well-rounded and improving, like, I look at him and Bisweden, how it sort of came on the PGA Tour at the same time as similar types of players in terms of quality and upside. And I just think he's he's streaks ahead of him right now. I think he's really solid. Uh, he still plays well in places I don't expect him to. And that's always the worry for me is that when it feels right about Aaron Rye, he's probably not going to do it. But that's totally a feel thing and not a numbers thing, which makes no sense. But when you look at it, like he's 56th in the FedEx Cup rankings, which... You know, it doesn't sound amazing, but for someone of, of Aaron Rye's talent level on the PJ Tour, I think it's really successful so far this season. And and as we've said, like he battled Tommy Fleetwood and, and beat him in the playoff here. He finished the 35th on his title defence. It was just those missed cuts in 2019 and 2022, which ultimately I think he's a better player than both of those years now. So T24 were better in his last three starts and in four of his last five overall. I'm really impressed. And his irons and approaches, you know, have been really good. Like he's been fourth on approaches last two starts. He was second in that category in Colonial five starts as well ago as well. So the fact he's doing these stronger fields on the PJ Tour, Brian, uh, is really encouraging for Aaron Ryan. Yeah, and he's just playing a lot of golf. So like it, he it that that rhythm, that consistency. Hopefully, like we just said, it, it seems to be peaking at this moment. You know, he started off a little slow, but again. There's transitions for everybody at different, you know, he didn't exactly pop on to the European scene right away either. Um, so, yeah, I, I my number was slightly better. Again, that's a big numbers bet betting that drives a lot of what I do. But it was, it's been very encouraging with this form. The very he hasn't lost strokes in any category over the last uh, three. I guess he was maybe slightly negative on approach um, at Travelers. But yeah, it's. He's been right there. It's just very, very consistent. We've seen this. We've seen a T20 at an open. We've seen the win here, um, unfortunately, because I had three with that week. But um, he, so he owes me one here. Um, but, yeah, it's just everything seems to be clicking for him. Now, it would be a tall order to go out and win this with this field. But, um, you know, we talked about distance. I'm not as big on distance this week. Um, and not that I'm big on accuracy either. However, once again, he is so accurate with that driver. Like if, if the winds do pick up like that, I'd rather have someone maybe that I feel can control their drive better considering the weather and just stay out of like, don't manufacture that big number for yourself from the T right? Like don't get in trouble off the T with this weather, like at least have a shot into the green and go from there. Um, so if we're, we're spinning these narratives, like that's, kind of how I can wrap my head around like, okay, how could Aaron win this event? Like that's kind of how I would see that happening with this field. Yeah. And look, the, the concern as Ryan said was, was the putting, but he's actually gained in each of the last two events only marginally, but in both events of the travelers and the rocket mortgage, and he's got better at the rocket mortgage. And that, look, they're kind of like birdie fest events that he might not have to deal with. You know, if the weather is calm and it only comes on Sunday, it, it could get you know, a little bit out of control of scoring here. And I, I, I just think the putting's, okay for this event i think ultimately if we're going to get him anywhere it's going to be here so this is probably his best remaining chance of the season i think to get a win that i wouldn't say his play deserves because that's maybe a little bit of a stretch but like he's certainly trending in that right direction so um absolutely love to see that Here's yeah, I mean, maybe he goes out yeah. on sunday you know he he survives before the the giant winds come and we watch a classic european there you go. i mean i mean yeah, you're bringing the PGA Tour to Europe, so you, that doesn't necessarily mean these meltdowns are just going to stop. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, talking of meltdowns, I don't, I don't know if he's necessarily a meltdown. Doesn't quite get there. You guys, you know, joked in the chat that you'll probably forget how to play golf in round three, and that's probably accurate. Um, I can't look at Alexander Bjork when people have been betting him at kind of like fourteen to one, sixteen to one, twenty to one 
all season and, and he's 125 to one or 110 to one here and you know he's just been automatic he's four straight top 10 finishes I think he's had eight on the season uh seven on the season it it's utterly ridiculous he's gained strokes on approach heavily in you know five of the last eight his putting's extremely good all the time he finished eighth whilst gaining a significant uh, whilst losing a significant amount of strokes on the putting green Look, the, the off the tee is, is the, the massive concern. It is the fact that, like you said, Ryan, in the group chat earlier, that he's going to hit one 243 yards into the other and maybe mm-hmm. doesn't recover from there. But Yeah, but he's I, the best iron player in the world again. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. that and, and, you know, what, what more do you need? And I just think that the, the narrative is going to be that he can't beat a weak field in Europe, so why would he be able to beat a strong one in Scotland? In Scotland? And I completely understand that. Um, but I'm just looking at it from the fact that he's just been so solid for so long now. And when you look at his debut here on this golf course, he opened with 66. He went 66, 69, 68 and was nowhere near. Uh, then he finished 19, opened with a 63. Uh, it was his second round that was terrible. He was 75, but he was still in the top 20 going into the weekend. When he was 26, he shot a third round, 63. He was eighth going into the final round. And then even last year, he was ninth going into the final round and shot a final round, 75. So... We know what the problem is, is the fact that he doesn't do very well in the mix and he probably certainly won't do that if he's going with Scotty Scheffler and, you know, players like that. But I mean, he um, needed a birdie this week, right? On 18 at the time and yeah. just bogey. There yeah. goes that ticket. We both yeah. had him this week. I mean, I bet him like eight times this year, it feels like. so. Great. Yeah, I mean, probably a great top 20, top 30, top 40 bet. Uh, very likely going to make the cut for let's see, a low sevens on DraftKings this week. So I'll get my exposure there. Yeah, I think that look, that's probably the sensible thing to do is just take the inflated number and apply it to the place markets. Um, I'm just going to go for broke and hope that he just... I think sometimes you can just stumble into a win and all of a sudden the narrative will change that he's won a PGA Tour event and suddenly he's really elite at winning, uh, which is definitely not going to be the case. Um, but we shall see what happens this week. Fellow Swede, Ryan, to finish off for you with Alex Noren. Uh, I do have the other Alex as well. I don't know who you want to do first, but I'm I'm happy to dive into Noren as well. Yeah, go 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 with Noren and then we'll, we'll round out the other one. We bet all Alexes this week, I we guess. We did. Yeah, so look, Alex Noren, uh, uh, breaking news, Ben Coley just bet him too, so excellent. <laughs> Not the only idiot here in the chat. So uh, he's been really bad uh, for most of the year, all of last year, obviously. Uh, but the iron play has finally started to come back. He's now uh, moderately, he gained on approach five of the last six events. Um, he's back to being a wizard on and around the greens, which we love to see. Um, obviously, he does not drive the ball well. Maybe it's a Swedish thing. Who knows? But again, just a guy who look at the long-term pedigree. You look at the comfort playing Lynx golf. Um, obviously, he's won a Scottish Open. He's won the British Masters. Uh, he's won a French Open, not a pure Lynx course, but we know there are Lynx elements there. And look, I mean, this is a guy who won, what, 10 times uh, in like a nine-year span? Um, like that puts him in that same range with like Poulter and Keimer and GMAC as like that and like Stenson at like that level. And now you're getting him uh, obviously has a lot to play for with this potential Ryder Cup uh, captain's pick that he'll be looking for. So um, riding the Noren train one more time. I guess we'll have a, we'll have a very brief two minute chat about the Ryder Cup. Um, Ryan, does R- Rasmus Hoygaard or... Um, Striker get themselves in the Ryder Cup with just that one win. Yes to Step. Uh, no to Rasmus. He will need to play well this week and/or next week, and then I think he will be there, but he's not in yet. No. Brian, any extra thoughts on that? I I wish I could figure out what Europe would do um, because this is the first time in a while with the big names, the normal guys like Sergio, and then probably not in that. We've ever had to really debate what we would deem mid-level, it's probably rude and me to say, but like a mid-level PGA guys even like thinking about going. Like in years prior, there was really never conversation about guys like Sepp or Seamus who were having, we'll call them solid years on the PGA Tour, but they never really seemed to make it into the conversation. And sometimes we just saw that they probably didn't even care didn't even attempt. I mean, we saw Casey bail for four years or whatever it was. Like he just came over and said, whatever, didn't even keep his card. Um, 
So I'm, I don't know, like, do you, if you're Europe, do you just say, you know what, this, this one might be tough, but it's at home. Do we get a look at these younger guys instead of a Sep or a Sheamus who you might think technically is better. They're playing better competition week in, week out. But I mean, Rasmus wins. It's not like he's been incapable. I mean, I, I don't know. I, um, it's not my problem to have. So if it was my <laughs> problem to have, I would say give me the younger guys if it's even close. Like it's, it's definitely going to be. A I get that guy. that's against the normal. Like you want experience and all this other stuff, but it's like you th- this this year's been so weird for them. Like I don't know why not why not roll the dice when you're not supposed to win. Like I, I get that they haven't lost in Europe in forever, but. Let's be honest, there's still going to be big dogs going into it. So I don't know. Yeah, there's certainly going to be at least one guy on the back of that team who's very, very young. Like, I do think, I think we all know there are eight locks on this team. Um, I think Moronk is on and I think Seth is on. Um, at that point, you know, I we've talked about Aaron Rye. If he wins this week, that'll take care of it. But like, I think Aaron Rye should be on that team. And then you have Luke Donald with the choice, the youthful choice of taking the European guy in Rasmus versus maybe taking Ludwig Eber, who I think that would cause a lot of issues in that he really hasn't quote unquote paid his dues. He hasn't played in Europe really at all. Um, obviously he hasn't won anything yet and there's still time to change that. But I think one of those two will be the final pick. I think with Eber, they're like, they're desperate for him to just play well this week and yes. just, and just, you know, let like let everyone see him on the biggest stage, as a PJ event as well as in Europe. And yeah. um, look, I I actually do want him to do that. Like, there's been a lot of contentious thing about the fact that he's overrated and it's not it, overrated in the odds market. Yes, but he's not overrated as a player. He's a great talent, and I think that if he can show something in this Scottish Open, somehow get himself into. He's not in the Open Championship, right? Unless he wins this week. So. Yeah. Um, like I, th- I would love to see him just go back to back weeks and just really impress. And I think that's ultimately what Luke Donald wants to happen as well. So um, he wants an excuse to pick this guy. And I think it all goes to your points, right? That we are expected to lose. I think that when you look at the Italian open course, it feels pretty American friendly. Like, and I think that the trouble is now that they always talk about, fact that you know Europe can set it up to suit European players but our best players want what the Americans want as well like we Rory Rahm and, and right. Hovland want what the what the Americans want like they don't want these kind of rough ups and tough tests so um I, I think and that's look at what Aberg does best yeah that's what he does like yeah exactly that I I think why are we going to play away from our best player strengths to to suit the narrative of what we've had of over the years like we, we're just not those players anymore so um absolutely I mean, I that. both of them yeah yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Why not? It'd be good. I'd like to see it. Um, Ryan, you, you mentioned the other Alex there. Like the, the numbers completely changed on Alex Smalley from when we yep. kind of wrote the messages to each other earlier. So he we we I took him at 150 Insane. to one this morning. You took him at 110 to one. He's now 75 to one best price. And as Brian said, they're like insane. Like it is a massive overcorrection. Yeah. Uh, which which I I can't in good conscience now make him a bet at 75 to one. I, but I love everything about his chances of winning this week. Well, not maybe not winning, but definitely placing. Yeah, for sure. I think um, probably no exaggeration uh, in saying that he is probably in the top 10 iron players in this field right now. And it's been that way. Uh, he's obviously on, on an exceptionally nice run right now, but it seems like since really last summer, uh, he is just consistently like, almost like a shot around strokes gained approach, which is pretty damn good. Uh, obviously almost won the deer yesterday. Uh, was ninth at the Travelers, 25th in Canada, 18th at Wells Fargo, 23rd at the PGA. So he's kind of now elevated himself, um, much like we've seen from Wyndham Clark. Uh, he's obviously not quite there yet, but he did finish 10th here last season uh, with one and a half really, really bad putting rounds. Uh, the ball striking was elite. I believe he led the entire field in greens and regulation at this event last year. So obviously his game travels um, and he's playing as well as anyone in this field right now. So uh, I agree places are for sure necessary here on, on Smalley, but uh, I don't see him stopping this week. Yeah, look, this is probably a, a numbers thing, Brian, for you. But like it feels like to me that 
when you shoot four under in the final round, more often than not, you're you're going to be okay. And it's just the fact that Sepp shot nine under and should have been 11 under, but not for a double bogey in the last hole. Like it fit, I felt pretty comfortable with what he did yesterday, despite being disappointed that he didn't get the win. No, that's fine. Honestly, at 150, I, I think that was a good number. I saw that yeah. that's where he opened a lot of places. I think that was bet worthy. Um, I did not. I uh, decided to sleep in this morning. So I, <laughs> I, I imagine if I woke up and saw that based on my number, I would have bet it. It is drifted way beyond. Um, it seems like it's come back. I saw him at 50 at some places. So maybe yeah. he's dropped at others. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where, again, people are going to listen to me and be like, you're an idiot. But I'm betting guys who I think are actually going to win, whereas I don't necessarily do that. I bet I think they can win. Um, but so Alex Small at 75 does nothing for me. So uh, I, he can play well here. He's playing extremely well now. It's just yeah, for me, I, I missed where I I missed the window of where I would have bet him. So yeah, I'm just not going to. Um, it would shock me though if he did. I mean, holy crap! And and he, he's still 75 to one for a reason. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think a fair number for him for me would be closer to 90. But. Yeah, and I, I think with, with Smallies, it's going to be hard to know. And this is going to, we're going to see this in a couple of years after this plays out. Is he going to long term be a good links player if he plays in more of them, or is it just a case that he, you know, was in good form at the right time of year and come over and his ball striking was, as Ryan said, just really successful. I mean, he was second in approach, second in tee to green, and first in greens and regulation that week. Is it going to be something that he can do long term in links courses, or is it a case that it needs to be the weather suits, whatever? So um, he, he was he struggled, I think, in the final round. He was one of the only people in the final round that in the top ten that kind of shot over par. But I, I mean, I loved it at 150 to one, and you know, as we've said here, we we don't love it at 70s. But I think ultimately, like I think he's going to play really well, and his, his iron play is going to lead him to that. So um, final pick for me, and and then we'll get out of here unless we've got anything else to say. But Daniel Hillier is 350 to one, and there's a reason Daniel Hillier is 350 to one. Like he 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 was whatever he was 200 odd to one to win a European event uh, recently when he did uh, or when he contended before, and then he and then he went and won uh, the British Masters at a lower number. But um, I mean he was nearly 100 to one when he won the British Masters. I, I just think that this is a guy that can kick on from this success and I, and I think he could be on a very steep upward trajectory like he won on the challenge tour in 2021 he won again in 2022 he's now won on the dp world tour after finishing third in northern ireland last year he, he finished third again in germany the week before he won finished fifth at the klm open like it's a really sustained period of form now and when i look at his hero open form at fairmont st andrews he's had good finishes there like 12th and 20th or 12th and 23rd uh, which I was really encouraged by. He's had two good finishes in the Irish Challenge, which one of them was uh, a links course and one of them wasn't. So I like those. I like the fact that he played well at the Vic Open. He was 15th there in 2020, and it was Mimuli who finished uh, first and second there. So for me, I, I just think there's been a lot of encouraging signs for Daniel Hillier, including obviously the win at the Belfry. Look, he yeah. he put together a huge like final three holes or whatever it was to to win that tournament and you can't really rely on that happening uh very often but i, I just think there is a, a real player in there um he gained a bunch on putting to win the british masters but he's been good on approach he was great on approach at the klm open i think he might have actually led the field so i think this is a real player who you know i'll take the chance he's a real player now and find out that i'm wrong in you know, a couple of months <laughs> time um whilst the number's pretty hot so, yeah, that was my kind of long shot, Daniel Hillier. Um, Brian, any kind of DP World Tour regulars that you kind of considered at the, the kind of inflated numbers that we're seeing this week, considering the field? Uh, no, I can uh, I can let go of, of my <laughs> yeah. attachment um, to guys like Guido, despite the giant number. Like, I don't know, maybe someone will throw me a free bet and I'll just hop on for fun, but... <laughs> I will watch. I will root for him. But I, as a better in my betting life, it's very rare golf that I will at least put it out to the Met. Like, I would never encourage anyone to tail me on a bet like that. So. <laughs> no, that's fair. <laughs> but I'm yeah, free this guy's not here. So in his honor, yeah, sure. Go fire away 500 to 1 or whatever I saw. Um, yeah. Yeah, there is no, still I'll somewhere. be rooting, rooting hard uh, for Guido and a few other, a few other, you know, European faithfuls. But uh 
these fields, man, I think I think the difference between the tours is, is pretty big. Um, yeah. I think that's become more and more apparent. I think there used to be a little bit more argument about it, um, maybe even just as a few as a couple of years ago. But uh, I haven't it's not it's not going to get any it's not going to shrink either. So, uh, I mean, yeah, you'll still get your guys who pop. And uh, as far as Hillier goes, I mean, look at the one major where we get we've gotten the most kind of random oddball older didn't think it's the open because you you could yeah. weather could wipe out half and then weird bounces off the turf could wipe out and like so i mean if you're going to do it um and take a stab at a guy who's coming off uh a very euphoric victory why not here yeah like i, I just looked at last year's and it was jamie donaldson inside sixth holy yeah. god it resonates holy god inside 10th team burmister and team of tree inside 10th like i get that burmister and Dietrich in particular were kind of higher echelon players than even Hillier is right now um and, and it is you know it, you are having to luck out but I think it is possible and I will take a chance on the guy that's won recently uh Ryan quickly the same question to you and then we'll summarize our picks uh yeah there's two I I won't sort of dive into the mid-tier one but I do think Rasmus is is in play this week um I expect him to carry that form over but in terms of of long shots I'll take the other uh most recent winner on the DP World Tour and Thriston Lawrence um mm. So he's now won six times as a professional, four times in South Africa, twice Challenge Tour, twice European Tour. Um, obviously, there are links elements there. And then he won at Crans last year, right? That is probably the most linksy correlation. You just look at the winners there with, you had my boy Soderberg, Fitz won there twice, Norens won twice, Willett, Bjorn, Ramsey, just uh, lots of really good links players. And then um, I mentioned Alex Molly was number one in greens and regulation at this event last year. Tristan Lawrence was number two um, on route to a top 25 finish. So again, probably a guy you can get at 250, 300 to one with a bunch of places. Um, probably a good top 20 type player and a DraftKings play, depending on the price. But uh, he's the one long shot that I, I almost got to this week. Yeah, I think look, I think we've said it all. Like, we, we've said that probably use the inflated numbers to take on the place markets instead of trying to look at outrights. But these, these are some of the players that we like. And, you know, stupidly, I've given Alexander Bjork a chance. <laughs> so we shall see. Um, Ryan, I'll, I'll come straight to you then to summarize your picks, and then we'll come to you, Brian. Yep. So uh, at the top for me, it was uh, Spieth and Fleetwood, who I got at uh, 25 to 1. Minwoo at 45. Aaron Rye at 80. And then long shots, Smalley at 110. And Norin at 150. Yeah. Brian, uh, your picks for us, please. Yeah, that'll be Terrell Hatton, 22 to 1, Minwoo Lee, 45, uh, Wyndham Clark, 50 to 1, Aaron Rye, 80 to 1, and then uh, for our good friend Sky, we'll go Guido, 500 to 1. Yep. And then places, me, places, go places, lower. places, places, yeah. And then, well, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Tommy Fleetwood for me at 22 to 1, Justin Rose at 45 to 1. There is a 90 to 1 about Aaron Rye, but 80 to 1 is generally available. Uh, Alexander Bjork at 125 to one in a PGA Tour field, and Daniel Hillier at 350 to one for the long shot bomb. Guys, that is our show for the Scottish Open. Uh, thank you to Ryan and Brian for for stepping in here in Sky's absence. It was great to do it with the three of us. Really enjoyed the chat, and we'll all look forward to the Open Championship and celebrate Alex Bjork's second DP World Tour win. Uh, oh, co sanction with the PGA Tour. You can find me in the ditch if that happens. (laughs) It was fun. Uh, Good luck this week, boys. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, thanks, guys.